Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we have Nadan Hartwell, realtor from Toronto, joining us. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Glad to be Excellent. One of the things I really wanted to chat about today is you're not just a realtor, but you have uh, this alter ego as someone that's an artist and paints uh, scenes for movies. Uh, yeah. So it's good to kind of balance both careers and see where they intersect. So how long have you been a realtor? Uh, I have actually had my license since 1989. But I will say that um, my father, who is also a realtor in St. Catharines, uh, Basically, when I left high school, said, you should get your real estate license. It's always good to fall back on. And I followed his advice. And consequently, it was quite easy to get a license then. And so I've maintained it ever since. So you were going along in real estate and then uh, you decided you need to supplement or do something more artistic. Uh, Tell us about that. Right. So I had... uh, decided that I was going to move to Toronto and I had um, sort of a series. I had uh, the job that I was doing selling uh, licensed, uh, sorry, land lease retirement homes had ended. Uh, Someone had offered me a a position in Toronto and then someone the next day had offered me a place in Toronto. So I decided Toronto was the place to go. that the universe was sending me there. However, um, that other job did not last very long. So I'm now in Toronto. I have my real estate license, but I don't really know enough people to make uh, make a go of real estate. I'm a little worried about it. So uh, someone had offered me uh, a painting job and I thought, well, how hard can that be? And uh, it turns out that it, I've spent many years learning, learning the craft and, and honing it. And so I, I started for the smaller union NABAT and then proceeded to CBC for a few years and then um, to IATSE, where I quite love that. That's uh, doing the fame, uh, film painting there for uh, movies like. Movies like Pacific Rim, Suicide Squad, It Too, um, Mayor of Kingstown was a big TV series we just did with Jeremy Renner. Um, I'm currently doing a reality TV show, so that we're doing Tough as Nails in uh, in Canada. Nice. So there's uh, like human beings and makeup for film. Away from the camera, they kind of look silly sometimes. But in the camera with that kind of makeup, they look perfect. How does that relate to art? When you're actually painting backdrops for movies, do they have to be realistic or do they have to be slightly altered to look realistic on film? Um, Almost always they are 
altered to be on film. For example, if you have uh, a brand new office setting, um, like they were doing in say suits. So you have the brand new office setting, um, but you freshly paint the walls, they're freshly plastered, they're not real walls, they're, they're what we call flats, which are basically uh, just sort of one by threes with a skim of uh, very thin sort of wood veneer on them. Um, but then we would, we would quote unquote, age them. We would um, just tone them down just a little so that they, because they read still as new, but very little is sort of like shiny new, especially if you're dealing with, with movies um, that are of an older date. If we see something super shiny and new, but it's 1940s. What kind of place? Yeah, our, our brain still sort of registers that it won't be like our brand new shiny car in our driveway today. Definitely. So what lessons have you learned in uh, doing artwork that you apply to your real estate? Mm. Um, organization, uh, patience, and uh, a general, uh, I usually use sort of a general sort of um, creativity, a not sort of winging it. I'm, I can't think of the exact word right now, but basically you you know, you take everything you know, and then you you tailor it to the situation. Right. So there might be some some unique features to each and every set or each and every client. You're still using essentially your, your body of knowledge, but you are able to sort of read the situation with your experience to to make it successful. Brilliant. So you've been in real estate for a while and you've probably had, uh, have you been part of a team or just an individual uh, agent? Uh, an individual agent. And, and basically uh, in the last, I'd say 10 years, um, I've had a fairly close uh, relationship um, with one of, the, one of the banks to work with um, bankruptcy uh, homes so sort of a bit of a niche there but i sell anything pretty much anywhere so who are some of the people that you've come across that have been uh, exceptional leaders in the real estate space and what made them exceptional mm. um i mean i think that there are a lot i find that in my general journey uh in real estate i I truly haven't, you know, made very many sort of close friends of realtors. Um, and I think that's mainly because of the competitive nature of such as, as real estate, especially in Toronto now. I think we are somewhere around 80,000 agents. So that's quite uh, substantial for for. Even a town, you know, GTA. Oh, like yeah. So, um, so no, there have been many people. I mean, I, I think I have sort of stuck more with the sort of motivational speakers, like sort of Tony Robbins, or uh, 
I have um, I have sort of a, a positive energy uh, sort of life coach, uh, Christy Marie Sheldon. She has helped scope sort of my attitude and uh, perseverance and resilience in in business in general. Nice. And uh, with Tony Robbins, uh, have you done the firewalk? Uh, I haven't done the firewalk, but I was. Um, working with James Ray at one point. Uh, he was from the, the book, The Secret. Oh yeah, nice. So yeah, so this was before the issue that he had, <laughs> before he went to jail. Uh, but I actually, I did do the um, breaking of the, the boards and uh, bending of a steel rod. Wow, So Pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, I've, I've done similar sort of mind over matter process. Um, I actually took a, an entire hypnosis course with um, Debbie Papadakis in Toronto, who is um, quite a renowned hypnotist. Nice. Are you saying I shouldn't look into your eyes? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, it depends what we want to end up having you say. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest fear people have uh, of hypnotists. It'll make me uh, whoop like a dog or cluck like a chicken. And and we don't do that. No. And, and actually, really, it's uh, your, your brain has such a survival mechanism to it that really, even if you were in a sort of a deep state of hidden hypnosis, which is much like either lucid dreaming or or just as you sort of fall asleep at night or, or or wake up in the morning your your body if it heard an alarm is is going to you know stand up and run out of the room you're you're not going to you know continue barking like a dog <laughs> definitely so what's kind of interesting is just the power of hypnosis uh yeah i teach my clients uh had one call me and she was her daughter was feeling carsick so i yeah. showed her how to hypnotize her daughter and find the nauseous knob what's it set at it's set at a seven that tweak down to two see how you feel and of course instantly the nausea goes away so it's amazing the power of the mind what it can do and it just gives us much easier glimpse through hypnosis than through the conscious mind well, yes, absolutely, because the, the unconscious mind, which basically is sort of at the, at the level of sort of a five-year-old. So, you know, if you hear when you're a child, you, you know, you have to be bigger to, to succeed at something, you know, you might find yourself with a weight issue, you know, in your later years right. to, to quote unquote succeed. And you won't actually realize that that was triggered from what would be seemingly a, you know, incidental uh, moment in your childhood. Well, I was uh, working with a client. She came in for a bunch of stuff. But the one thing she said one day is like, you know, I can't seem to lose weight. Can you help me? And I said, okay, tell me about the last time you were really fretting about losing weight. Where were you at that moment? She told me where she was. I said, okay, when in that moment, what were you feeling? And she goes, well, I was feeling an uncomfortable feeling right here. And there's a tool you can use to link any feeling to the unconscious mind. And as soon as we linked it, it went back to a memory. And it wasn't a childhood memory. Her husband of 20 some odd years was rushed to another city uh, to go into surgery. And the surgeon came in and said, you know, after the surgery, you know, you're going to lose about 40 pounds and then we'll have to build it back up. And she said, not on my watch. 
and she actually he only lost about 12 pounds and wow. she got his weight back really quickly but somewhere in her mind she linked that if i stop eating he'll die and that's the belief that was causing her to uh, keep the weight on. And then when we discovered what it was, we changed the belief around it. And then it allowed her to just continue with her dieting and the weight came off really easily. So even if you reduce your diet, if the belief is there, if I lose weight, he will die. The mind is a powerful thing. Yeah. It, it always wants to sort of follow those sorts. Like it would rather, uh, really create an, an issue in order to be right, in order to be in, in accordance with whatever set of rules you, you've absorbed. Absolutely. And it, good word for it, absorbed. Yeah. And, and, and trauma is, is definitely one of those moments that really, um, you know, is, is such a, such a, a mark in the, in your, in your mind, in your memory that you, you do associate a lot of, things with it definitely so in your work as an artist you know doing set designs have you ever done a design or uh, some painting where you're like huh this isn't really that good and then have other people around you going oh my god that's freaking amazing like if you had one of those moments where you thought it wasn't good enough but other people that that know better actually went that's freaking amazing um yeah i think i think I might have that issue in general of, uh, you know, not always accepting compliments and being, you know, maybe a little bit hypercritical of most of the stuff I do. Because then, I, you know, I always look at it and then I like, my mind goes to 10 different places of where I probably could have done it better. better. So, um yeah, I mean, fortunately, film is sort of uh, one of those uh, industries where it actually goes fairly quickly. So I just have to say, great, glad you love it. And we move on to the next thing. So I don't have to dwell on uh, anything. Nice. that. I Looking at that kind of psychological mechanism, not just in you, just in general. Yeah. Sometimes we are more critical of ourselves. And what do you think that is? Not you specifically, but just generally, why do you think we're more hypercritical of ourselves? Well, I mean, I think it's our constant need for acceptance to be loved. Uh, I think that a lot of people grow up with the idea that somewhere unconsciously that they aren't worthy. They, they could always be doing better. And um, so I think that just continues on in your life. And as you get older, you know, hopefully you're able to deal with most of those issues. But, you know, as I said, with the, you know, sort of hypnosis, you know, and reflection on, on um, your younger years, sometimes you're not aware that you've suddenly got another, oh my God, I'm not worthy of something. Right. So, so what makes you happy? Um, I, I really quite like problem solving. Uh, I, also, uh, I also find that I do in most of my work, whether it be real estate or painting. Um, I did have a house painting business also um, that, uh, you know, sort of counseling people and helping people sort of 
see past their problems and potentially find solutions. Nice. And what's one technique or mind hack you'd like to share with people that would allow them to be more productive, happier, sexier, sleep better? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I definitely believe in, in uh, sort of a self-hypnosis, um, in, in doing your meditations, um, and basically sort of grounding yourself and trying not to take everything personally because other people you know they might say things because they have issues going on and it may actually have nothing to do with you but you've interpreted their tone as something that you need to take on and and I think that is less of that would absolutely help more people brilliant thanks so much for being on the show really enjoyed the conversation Great. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 